On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone deserves to feel connected. That's why Cox has high-speed internet to fit any budget. For real. Learn more at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household. Application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Other restrictions apply. You're listening to The Dossier, presented by Metro by T-Mobile. You can make an argument that one of the most polarizing figures in the history of hip-hop music and culture is Suge Knight and his death row records. What Suge accomplished inside the music industry will be analyzed for years to come. He also is a figure who has been in the middle of speculation as it relates to the murders of Biggie and Tupac. Another figure who was head of Suge security and an ex-Compton police officer, Reggie Wright Jr., is also mentioned as it relates to Biggie and Tupac. It was Reggie Wright Jr. who hired ex-LAPD cops to work for Death Row Records. We know that Reggie Wright Jr. had a relationship with Rafael Perez, David Mack, and Kevin Gaines. What we don't know for 100% certain is who ordered the hit on Biggie. And one can make the argument that both Suge and Reggie Wright Jr. both had serious motive. Michael Carlin has spent years reporting on the dynamics of the Compton Police Department, the mob Pyru blood gang, and the killings of both Tupac and Biggie. He befriended Russell Poole at the end of his life as Russell continued to hunt down the truth after he left the LAPD. And Carlin also had some insight into Suge Knight that goes against the narrative that the mainstream media has pushed for the last 20 years. Well, I'm from California. I grew up in Los Angeles, went to high school here, and spent quite a bit of time outside of L.A. You don't really, you know, come to understand or know what you have until you leave. And I found my way back here. And, you know, it really is my home. And the Compton connection really came through these these two murders. All of these uh, suspects and whatnot all led back to Compton, and the leads led back to information in Compton because death row records really sprang out of Compton. And so you had, you know, Mob Pyrus, Lewis Park Pyrus, uh, you know, some of the original West Side Pyrus too that were all working for Suge Knight. And there were many other Pyru sets that were working there. But you also had Crips that were working for Death Row Records. And so it was kind of an incendiary environment. And you really couldn't understand what happened unless you went into Compton and understood what Compton was all about. Because that that was such a great piece of the fabric of Death Row Records. Suge Knight knew how to manage his business right when it came to his his company you know but when you have 
a contingency of homies like that that are working there with you. It's, it's hard to govern men like that. <laughs> yeah. it's, that's a difficult task. That's not no easy task. You know what I'm saying? And he kind of like put that in Buntry's hand because Buntry was qualified and equipped because he had been around shit and set where we sat behind the walls and the gates of the prison system. You know what I'm saying? And networked with other bloods from San Diego. Buntry had all the San Diego bloods coming out here, coming to the park. Mm -hmm. And Buntry accepted that role. He accepted that role. Tough job. Tough job. What you have to understand is that both Tupac and Biggie stepped into a world that was foreign to them, a world where long-standing street feuds inside Compton dictated friends and enemies. A famous gangster from Compton once told me, even though Compton is only 10 square miles, what happens in Compton dictates the criminal underbelly of Los Angeles as a whole. For Suge Knight, he grew up in a neighborhood where the leaders of the Bloods were neighbors with the police chief. Compton was the epicenter of not only hip-hop music and culture, but corruption. Well, it was really Russell Poole that brought me to this murder, and, you know, including the murder of Tupac, because he really saw these as two related cases. And Russell reached out to me through his aunt and uncle, and I had done a humanitarian project with them, and they said, hey, you've got to meet our nephew. And Russell and I connected via telephone and talked many times before we actually met. And then we met, and I could see the passion that he had that was driving him to solve these cases. And it was almost an obsession with him. And so I became infected with his obsession. And he and I really were kind of on a daily basis talking to each other from the time we actually met until his death. When you look at the murder, or let's say the conspiracy to murder Biggie, there is an individual that is mentioned, but seemingly has Teflon in regards to this particular case. And, and I would like to get your opinion as to why this person has kind of been left out of the conversation in many respects. What was the relationship between Reggie Wright Jr., Suge Knight, Mac, Perez, Gaines, the sort of all of those names that are mentioned as far as you know? Well, so Kevin Gaines was Sharitha Knight's boyfriend. And there was friction between Kevin Gaines and Suge Knight because, you know, you have Sharitha married to Suge, but she's dating this LAPD cop. And Kevin Gaines, Rafael Perez, David Mack were all running mates. And, you know, if you listen to what Suge says about it, that, yeah, they were all good friends, but they were really good friends with Sharitha and with Reggie. And so you have this plot inside of Death Row Records to topple Suge and take over the record label. And we learn about that through the bodyguards. You know, Frank Alexander was recording his conversations in the aftermath of the murder of Tupac. And, you know, most of the people that are on those calls are now dead. But when you listen to those calls, you hear that there was talk about who was going to take over Death Row Records. 
if something happened to Suge, and that was well before anything happened to Suge. So those guys were speculating about it, and they were plotting it, and then they put those plans into motion. And you have Suge sitting next to Tupac when Tupac is shot, and you have Suge in jail at the time that Biggie is killed. You say Kevin Gaines is in Vegas. Um, I think in this in this story, uh, Kevin Gaines, according to to your reporting and, and and what you're saying, he was just as culpable as a as a Perez or or a Mac. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you listen to Mario Hammonds, he was the one that was supposed to block in Puffy, and he failed. He was the one driving the SUV, the white SUV, and so he failed at that. And that's part of why maybe Kevin Gaines was murdered by Frank Liga. And so, you know, and this this happens just days after Biggie is shot. And if you look at Kevin Gaines, Kevin Gaines was kind of a wild card. And had he unraveled, you know, who knows what would have happened. So Kevin Gaines needed to go. He had a lawsuit that was filed against the city of Los Angeles. And anything could have happened with that lawsuit. And so he gets he gets murdered by Frank Liga, and all that stuff just gets swept away. 31-year-old Kevin Gaines had been an LAPD officer for six years. He lived in Gardena and has two young daughters. Just three weeks ago, he sued his wife for divorce. Gaines was assigned to the Pacific Division on L.A.'s west side as a patrol officer. His tenure, however, was not without some controversy. According to police sources, Gaines at one time attempted to file a complaint accusing fellow officers of violating his civil rights. The outcome of that complaint is not known at this time. Shortly after four yesterday afternoon, Gaines was driving this green Mitsubishi Montero in North Hollywood when he exchanged words with another motorist. That second driver turned out to be Frank Liga, an undercover detective working a narcotics case. Liga, who works here at the Hollywood station, says Gaines then followed him, leading to a second confrontation. According to Liga, Gaines pointed a 9mm handgun at him, and fearing for his life, Liga shot Gaines twice, not realizing he was an off-duty officer. Paramedics took Gaines to St. Joseph Medical Center, where he died of his wounds. All indications are that the officers didn't know each other, and this was a chance confrontation between two drivers with short tempers. It is interesting to note that the Montero driven by Gaines is registered to the estranged wife of rap music mogul Suge Knight, currently serving a nine-year prison sentence. Marta Waller, KTLA Morning News. There's been a little-known secret inside Compton for years that I've verified through many sources. And that story is real simple. Reggie Wright Jr., Reggie Wright Sr., and Suge's ex-wife, Sharita Knight, plotted against Suge Knight to take over Death Row Records and the financial windfall that would come with that ownership. Sharita, Reggie, and his father were all a part of this. Many people have thought that this was a conspiracy theory. But the more you unpack Reggie Wright Jr., the more you start to understand how and why this was even possible. And the more you start to realize that the answers to the murders of Biggie and Tupac lead to Reggie Wright Jr. 
with that said, how, how big of a role or, or do you, is it your opinion that Reggie Wright Jr. was in the middle of all of this stuff? Absolutely. He was clearly in the middle of all of it. And Reggie Wright Jr. is a cop, and as a cop, he had immunity, really, from so many things. And when Kading was doing his investigation, he basically gave Reggie Wright Jr. immunity for anything that he had done with either one of these cases. And so Reggie is kind of Teflon with this, and Reggie's an informant. And he's known in the circles of Compton as a police informant and as a federal informant. And if you look at this drug trafficking case that he recently got caught up in, really he got a slap on the wrist when other people did serious time. And I know that, that there's been various rumors and innuendo, but I feel in the stuff that I've uncovered that the idea that Reggie and Sharifa, and I don't know who else, really were trying to take over death row records and get the money away from Shook. You know, if you look at the Jeff Weiss article, and it's an interview with Russell Poole, you'll see what Russell Poole's state of mind was at the time of his death. And at the time of his death, he really did want to apologize to Suge Knight because he had blamed Suge for the Tupac murder. And that's really what he wanted to apologize to Suge for because he came to realize that Suge was one of the targets of that murder. Now, Tupac didn't die, by the way. The whole thing was a failed hit on Tupac. He later died six days later in the hospital, you know. So, so this wasn't exactly the, you know, glowing work. And they improved upon things in the second murder by using a professional shooter by using gecko ammunition that was armor piercing. And, you know, obviously you see that the hit was much better orchestrated. And that was a learning curve that these guys have. And so Russell had come to a new understanding about the cases. And if you read that, that Jeff Weiss article, he talks about how, you know, he knows what happened to Tupac. And, you know, it's the same thing with Biggie. And so Russell really did want to apologize to Suge, and he was actually trying to help Suge with his current case because he realized that all of this Rampart scandal stuff was involved in both murders and that the cast of characters that was there for the Biggie murder was also there for the Tupac murder. Well, that's an interesting thing that I think has been talked about. So it, it was the belief at when Russell passed away, he felt that the same individuals that sort of did the biggie hit were possibly responsible or were a part of and in Vegas for the Tupac situation. Yeah, that's correct. And really what you have is, you know, when you've got corrupt cops that are, you know, involved in things like murders and you know, the two of those cops were on special assignment. One of them was Kevin Gaines and was in uh, Las Vegas from two days before Tupac was shot until two days after Tupac died. And if that was proven that it was LAPD involved in that murder, 
that would also make LAPD, City of Los Angeles, liable for Tupac's death. And that is a whole new set of cash that these guys would have to pay out to Tupac's estate. And so there was really no appetite for LAPD to, you know, want the truth to come to light if it implicated their police officers, especially when you have Rafael Perez kicking the shell casings at the Biggie murder while he's on duty. I mean, it's, they got him cold. They know he was involved in that murder. And so you're looking at, in today's dollars, you know, perhaps as much as a billion dollars in Biggie's death that he would have, his lifetime earnings plus triple punitive damages and if you add Tupac, now you're looking at $8 billion for the city of Los Angeles. And then there were all kinds of ancillary things that were going on with Death Row Records, including the murder of Kelly Jamerson and, you know, Bruce Richardson and a bunch of other people that might bubble up. And you might find that there are people coming out of the woodwork to sue the city of Los Angeles and LAPD. So they really wanted to put a lid on this. And that's why they did the whole cover-up. That's why you've got Kading coming to cover this thing up. Let's blame it on Poochie. Let's blame the uh, the Tupac murder on Orlando Anderson. Because it just costs too much money to tell the truth. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison. A mesmerizing coming-of-age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown, to the place of his family's origins. She introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife need a scintillating night out every once in a while at least. So download Earn In today 
spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The thing that I, to this day, I struggle with understanding, and, and maybe you can give me your insight, is, you know, Russell Poole was an, an immensely moral and ethical investigator. Phil Carson, you, you, I don't think you could find anyone that has said a bad thing about him outside of Greg Kading. What was Kading's, outside of profiting on this with a book and the TV show and the documentary, what is his purpose still to this day to hold this party line? So Kading was caught up in lies in the Toros Ramos case where he should have been fired from LAPD and he should have been stripped of his pension. Here's former LAPD detective Stephen Strong, a gang expert on Kading's work on the so-called Torres Ramos case. It is this case where Kading's career and use of informants was called into question. It was this case that many people believe compromised Kading with the LAPD. What is your assessment or how do you feel that Detective Kading handling of these informants? And I said he sounded like he was totally out of control and totally out of policy to me, Your Honor. He just, he did not follow the correct procedure. And he goes, okay. And then he, the judge told the U.S. Attorney that I want to see the informant man. Well, there isn't one, Your Honor. And he said, I want that manual in my office in one hour. And they went and got it. And so that basically put Kading in a real cross because he has testified that there is no such thing. And there was. But the federal prosecutor believed Kading that there wasn't anything, and there was. And then you saw exactly what I laid out as to how it's to be handled. Well, come to find out, and I, I listened to a lot of the tapes of him and his informants. Why he taped himself, I'll never know. Because he's promising these guys houses and money and all these things. I need you to say this, I need you to say that. And then I have phone conversations of the informant telling other guys, yeah, all I had to do, I have to say this, this, and that, and 400 grand, I'm gonna get a you know, $500,000 home, I'm gonna be living there, I'm gonna be living high on the hog, I'm gonna be doing it, bro, and all this. And I'm like, you can't promise people you can't. It was that extravagant? Can't, you can't buy <laughs> informants. You can't offer them anything right. for that. You have to tell them that I can't give you any. I have no authority to give you anything. But who would believe that? If so, you're going to get a half a million dollars if you testify like that. Who would believe him anyway? I mean, really, are they that gullible? It was on tape. Everyone deserves to feel connected. That's why Cox has high-speed internet to fit any budget. For real. Learn more at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household. Application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Other restrictions apply.
Greg Kading is a mystery to many people connected to this case. He has never viewed the files that were created by the civil proceedings when Valletta Wallace sued the city of Los Angeles. He never viewed the files that were hidden away inside a desk at robbery homicide. So as a real homicide investigator, how can you honestly say that you did a full investigation of this case if you weren't privy to all of the work product? It's too late for Kading now to retract his story. But I can tell you one thing that he has done. He's done a great job at confusing people and he continues to this day to lie about this case. I wanted to ask you about a certain one. Okay. There is a review on Amazon for a book called Murder Rap, written by a man named Greg Kading. In the review section, there is a scathing review from a detective, Russell Poole. Did you write that review? Uh, what does the review say? The review reads as follows. Greg Kading has no credibility on this subject matter. He became a task force member on the Biggie case 10 years after the fact. Kading left the LAPD in disgrace for his false testimony on a federal murder and racketeering case, United States versus George Torres Ramos, CRO656A. Guilty verdicts were overturned in this part due to Kading's testimony. He said LAPD cleared him of those charges, but that is not entirely true. Kading also had some help writing this book from disgraced L.A. Times reporter Chuck Phillip. Kading forgets there are actual eyewitnesses to Biggie's killing. He spends a lot of time talking about things he knows nothing about. This is a desperate attempt for Kading to salvage his reputation. Suge Knight is a suspect, but not for the reasons Kading talks about. In closing, Kading never attempted to interview me regarding my Biggie investigation. He makes a lot of false statements about me and my part in the investigation by retired LAPD homicide detective Russell Poole. Yeah, I wrote that. And I stand by it. Yeah, I stand by that statement. Uh, he has no credibility. I, I, you know, I couldn't trust him to work with him on the police department. Uh, he's, he's self-absorbed just like uh, the L.A. Times reporter Chuck Phillips. And they're working together on that book he did. There's no question in my mind. With the murders of Biggie and Tupac, Suge Knight has always talked around the subject of both, almost speaking in riddles. For the first time in never-released audio, Suge talks to Michael Carlin from jail on various topics that shed light on his inner thoughts on Reggie Wright Jr., Rafael Perez, and Sharitha Knight as it relates to the murder of Biggie. Carlin has shared this audio with me for the podcast. Man, I've been following with great interest. You know, Russell Poole wanted to apologize to you. Yeah, I heard that. I mean, he's a good guy. I never lied to him or nobody because, you know, all that stuff. They know who was going on behind all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, he couldn't, in his mind, uh, separate you from Death Row Records. And as as we were doing the investigation, I said, you have to understand, Russell, that, you know, Mr. Knight was, uh, you know, in the car next to Tupac. I mean, that's not. And then with the Biggie thing, Mr. Knight was in jail. Yeah, 
And I, 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 met, mean, I met somebody who was in jail with you at the time, and he said it's impossible that he was on a cell phone back then. Impossible. I got tapped on the shoulder by uh, by one of the cop's daughters that was involved, and she told me. I mean, you know, this isn't conjecture anymore. We know the facts. Yeah, it's the same people, same circle of people. Yeah. Have nothing to do with me, you know? No. In this exchange between Suge and Michael Carlin, Suge states that if they understand what happened in the killing of Tupac, they would also understand the murder of Biggie. He says it's the same circle of people. If you're a friend of yours, you're a friend of mine. You exactly. know, a lot of the stuff that's just basically uh, the public is naive to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of things in um, dealing with incarceration, even business, just a lot of politics, you know. I mean, it's like um, I never should have went to prison the first time I went to prison. But I had caught the, the accounting firm who Jimmy introduced us to. They stole like about thirty, forty million dollars, you know. I'm not sure if this audio exchange is clear. But what Suge Knight is alluding to is that when he went to prison for the first time, close to thirty or forty million dollars was stolen from him by his lawyer at the time, David Kenner. One, one thing with my accounts was I signed all my checks. So anything, any check was over over five thousand dollars. I definitely had to sign it, and it was giving uh, David a hundred grand a month, and David said he was giving Jimmy a kickback from a hundred grand a month. So we was paying him for all the work he did as an attorney, and he was giving him a hundred grand a month. Wow! And buying cars and houses and stuff. When Shook talks about David, he again is talking about notorious criminal defense lawyer David Kenner, who was Suge Knight's fixer. In this exchange, he also states that Kenner was funneling money to legendary music industry executive Jimmy Iovine, who ran Interscope Records, the parent label of Death Row. Iovine also started beats by Dre. There have been rumors for years and Suge has gone on the record before that Jimmy Iovine stole money or was in bed with Kenner. Again, these are rumors. Wow. So that, that, that played an effect on my um, I'm making the violation when I shouldn't have got a violation. Well, that whole Orlando Anderson yeah. thing, man, I mean, it was really bullshit. Yeah, I mean, even when he came in they put him on stand, and the judge asked me, said, do you know Suge Knight? I said, you don't know Suge Knight. I said, what did he do? So the only thing he did was help me and save my life, which I basically did because, you know, Pac was uh, my little brother and the number one artist out on the bond. And if he would have got in trouble, he was going back to prison. Yeah. So I knew there was cameras everywhere in Vegas because I went to UNLV. They just take us to the top and let us watch. 
So, you know, I was breaking up shit, and I, you know, cut that bullshit out right then here. But at the same time, um, they just they just played with the thing the way they wanted to play with it. And, um, see, the thing is, those guys, if you go back and watch the film, they was already stalking Pac, like yeah. watching him. So that just took the iceberg when something happened. But that was, there was a plan already to do something to him. Yeah. And that's why, um, like I said, I had two of the toughest guys for him, and Reggie pulled them off of me. And after it happened, I told him to send five guys from the club to there, and they never said nobody. Yeah. And Frank blocked us in purposely. Later, he told us up to the streets. He told us, they told him to do it, you know? Yeah. His captain, hey, Frank got so bad, he died, you know? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And Michael Moore. Yeah. And then, um,. Perez and it was all involved. They were trying to kill me too, but see, because Perez and and, and Reznor was good friends, and Perez and Sarita and Reznor is great friends, and so all those three together was trying to plot. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Russell got it right before yeah, he died. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And you know, and the sad thing about it, Atlanta wasn't even the shooter. You know. No, exactly. No. This audio you just listened to is the most important exchange to take note of. Suge Knight implicates LAPD cop Raphael Perez, his ex-wife, Sharitha Knight, and Reggie Wright Jr. in the killing of Tupac. He alludes again that if you understand the power struggle that was going on at the time for Death Row Records, you would also understand the role Reggie Wright Jr. played in all of this. This is the first time that Suge Knight has implicated Rafael Perez. What is interesting is that he puts Perez in the middle of the shooting of Tupac. I want to be clear that as of now, I have no hard evidence as it relates to the murder of Tupac in Las Vegas. Yeah, said he, 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 um, he wants to take 97 times and still consider I did anything. Yeah. And he asked him, could he just give me less time, like one year, or back on probation? And the lawyers never said, uh, yeah. They all kept saying, no, but that's not true. He could have. Yeah. And I got the, I got the paperwork to prove from two different DAs and all attorneys. I never had a firearm when I went on probation for it. A lot of part of the history need to be shown, need to be said, because they can help people in the future, you know? Well, the truth is actually the best story that's ever been told, I believe. Oh, always. Yeah, always, definitely. That's why I'm saying that's why it's so important to get these things out and you're the right person to do it because the truth doesn't just stop with one person. No. The truth put the law down, the facts down that they don't keep happening again. Well, think about it. You got drugs, guns, you got jealousy, you got music, you got, you know... I mean, it's just such a rich story. The truth as it pertains to Suge Knight's involvement in the murder of Biggie is about as complex as it gets. But any investigator and journalist has to stick to the facts and what can be proven. I believe personally, the real story behind the rise and fall of Death Row Records is yet to be told. And one day, Suge Knight will finally tell the truth about both Tupac and Biggie. 
But the takeaway from this exchange is clear yet again. The involvement of LAPD officers in the murders of both Biggie and Tupac. I will leave the Tupac murder to another podcast and focus on what is known for sure and what connects all of the information. And that is the same individual who to this day has eluded real questioning. And that is Reggie Wright Jr., a former Compton police officer who is the main spoke in a wheel that connects Suge Knight, LAPD officers Kevin Gaines, Rafael Perez, David Mack, and the alleged trigger man, Amir Muhammad. Everyone deserves to be connected. That's why Cox offers a range of high-speed internet plans that fit any budget. Stream, chat, and stay connected at an incredible price. It's fast, reliable internet for everyone. You're probably thinking, wait, what? But yeah, it's true. Learn more at cox.com ACP. Non-transferable one per household. Application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Other restrictions apply.